matters of the mind. Are you looking for answers, ideas, or just want someone to listen to you so you can vent? Join Dr. Peter Sacco as he discusses what matters most, issues that surround the mind. He gets to the heart of the matter when it comes to issues involving anger, depression, addictions, fear, anxiety, relationships, sex, abuse, bullying, and everything concerning you. And now, here's your host, Dr. Peter Sacco. February the 11th, and we are just a few days away from Valentine's Day. So, what are you thinking about? Romantic thoughts, happy thoughts, or are you all consumed with that white stuff that's outside? Well, at least up here in northern Canada, where it's pretty darn cold and pretty darn white out. I'm Dr. Peter Sacco, and welcome to Matters of the Mind, where everything on your mind matters to us. And with me always is my co-host and producer, Todd Miller. So, Todd, what's on your mind, snow or Valentine's? <laughs> it's funny. I'm in a relationship where we don't put a lot of emphasis on Valentine's. Again, let's remind ourselves who created Valentine's Day. It was a greeting card company meant in, in a way to boost sales. And there was probably some uh, some thoughts in there about, you know, putting a focus on romance at least once a year for those that don't build it into the relationship more often. But uh, I'm, I'm thinking about snow right now. So I guess my next question would be then is... Does snow make Valentine's Day more romantic? No, I think a beach would. I think some heat, no, no pun intended. I think, uh, you know, like some warm weather would probably uh, foster um, intimacy and relationships in a, in a better manner than, you know, knee-deep snow. But maybe that's me. I mean, there. I bet you there's a lot of couples that would go away to a cabin or a chalet or some sort of you know, lodgings up north and, and build a fire and enjoy it, truly enjoy it. I know here in Niagara Falls, we have a boat. I'm going to ballpark at two and a half in some spots, three feet of snow out there. And it's absolutely, for me, who is a sun lover, loves green stuff, gardens, it's an eyesore to me. But what's interesting, some of the folks that prior to Christmas were begging and just go holing, oh my God, I hope we have a white Christmas because Christmas really should be white and full of snow. These same folks now that I'm hearing are just uttering every nasty vulgar term about snow now. It's funny how the tide shifts. And so, and I think that's kind of the same thing that we're gonna be talking about today when it comes to our thoughts. What we put out there sometimes comes back. So folks, all of you that wanted the white Christmas, guess what, you got the white Valentine's Day. Um, up and coming, at least in our neck of the woods. So with that said, we got a great guest today. We're gonna have Karma Spence on. Karma is a life skills coach, and she's pretty smart cookie. She practices the law of attraction, which uh, no doubt in my mind, brought her to California, because she's a sport when she's down there where it's nice and sunny and warm and everything. So her thoughts became things, which basically were beaches, sunshine, and oranges, so to speak, Todd. You know, uh, and one of the things that you said is that she practices what she preaches. So she's a life coach who doesn't just say, do as I say, not as I do. It's like, do as I do. And, and you'll you'll experience, you know, a wealth of, of success and, and positive thinking in your life. So I really like that about her. And what's awesome about this, folks, is in the past, we've had Jack Canfield on our show. And Jack, everybody knows, uh, is chicken soup for the soul, Jack. Oh, yeah, that guy. The guy who's probably, I'm going to guess... After the Holy Bible, him and Mark Victor Hansen created Chicken Soup for the Soul. 
I would guess that all their books combined worldwide probably are the second best sellers in the world, I would, I would gather, <laughs> with so many books that they've got out there. And Jack is a firm advocate and proponent of the Law of Attraction. And after we had Jack on our show, and I should add Jack as a mentor and um, somebody I'd gotten to know over the last 10 years or so, having done uh, different interviews and things with Jack, I, I, I highly regard Jack. Uh, Jack is also a person that... Um, not only talks the talk, but walks the walk and has proven that the talk and the walk do work. And so we're going to have Karma Spence on today, who, who's from the same vein, uh, basically from the same uh, branch of thinking as Jack. And hopefully you sit back, relax, and enjoy what Karma has to say and see how life skills coaching and the law of attraction can actually change your life for the better. And we want to hear all about your successes afterwards. You're listening to Matters of the Mind on Listen Up Talk Radio, talk-radio.ca. music you'll hear on Out of the Blue will be jazz for the most part. No specific styles or genres. Every piece of music is handpicked to deliver quality performances. Out of the Blue can be heard on rtds.ca, live Mondays 1 to 3 p.m., and encore performances Tuesday to Friday, anytime on demand. It's the true spirit of jazz, a touch of everything and then some. Thanks for listening. I'm Larry Green. Hi there, I'm Dr. Peter Andrew Sacco, and do you have technological rage? Oh yeah, the new rage of anger. Download my new book today, Technological Rage, on my website, www.petersacco.com, and learn what technological rage is and how it is sweeping people today, leading to online dating anger, texting anger, and social online networking forums. Hmm, did you ever think you might get angry texting, Facebooking, or online dating? Maybe... You never thought it would happen to you, or maybe you know somebody that has this and you just need to understand it a little more. Welcome back to Mental Health Matters with your host, Dr. Peter Sacco. Welcome back to Matters of the Mind, where everything on your mind matters to us definitely all the time. So, as we promised before we went to break, we got a tremendous guest today. Actually, I was a guest on her show, so we're playing tit for tat. As uh, we say in the business, you scratch my back, I will scratch yours, and I will make it feel extra special. So, with that said, we've got Karma Spence, who is a certified life coach. So, Karma, welcome to our show, and how are you today in sunny California? I am fantastic. Thank you for having me. Well, hopefully you can bring a little bit of sunshine and warmth to our neck of the woods, which is the Toronto Niagara region area. It's Todd and I are in two places at the same time, which is kind of fun. We got a ton of snow out here. How fun for you. (laughs) (laughs) I sense a little bit of sarcasm there. Oh, me? Never. So, Karma, I guess the very first thing that uh, we get into here um, when we bring somebody like yourself on, because we have a lot of, we 
Todd and I pride ourselves on the fact that we've got very astute, educated listeners and very smart ones. And a lot of folks want to know, what does exactly a life coach do and how does one first become a life coach? Well, in broad, generic terms, a life coach helps you with life issues. So there are different kinds of life coaches. So if you have a coach helping you at the gym and they're helping you get physically fit, that is one kind of life coach because they're helping you with your fitness goals. My Personally, I help people with more mindset goals and uplifting your mindset so that you can be, have the success that you want. But again, you know, life coaching is a very broad thing. It's like anything in your life that you want to improve on, you can hire somebody who has life coaching skills that can help you achieve those goals. Now, how you become a life coach ranges, again, anywhere from someone just saying, I have these skills, and they put up a shingle and call themselves a life coach, to people who have gone through formal certification programs. Personally, I've gone through two of them. One was in Law of Attraction Life Coaching, and the other was in Sacred Money Archetype Coaching. So I have the tools from both of those systems at my disposal. Okay, so I guess let's start then. How do you go about becoming or getting trained in Law of Attraction Coaching, so to speak? Well, I just happen to live in the same city that the Law of Attraction Life Coach Academy happens to be based in. So I met the people who did it, and we became friends, and that's when I learned about their, they have a Get Certified in a Day program. In fact, they're going to have one in the next weekend or something. And so it's actually held here in Long Beach. However, they also have streaming options so that you can be from anywhere. I understand that there are other programs that also teach Law of Attraction based stuff. And, and Law of Attraction is also one of those kind of vague, broad things. Some people are more on the esoteric universal laws side. The certification program I went through was actually based on brain science. So actually learn things about how your amygdala, amygdala affects what you see in your life and about how the different ways your brain functions actually impacts what you see because your brain is actually taking in billions and billions and billions of bits of data. Everything that's happening around you at any moment is being taken in by, by, by your brain. However, if you were aware of all this information, you'd probably go insane. So there is a part of the brain that basically filters all that stuff out and shows you, lets you become consciously aware of the things it thinks you find important. So whatever you're thinking about and dwelling upon, that's what you see. And that's why the phenomenon where like you just bought a white car and now all of a sudden everybody has a white car. It's not that the white cars weren't there before. It's that you now think a white car is more important than other cars and so now you're becoming more aware of them and your brain's going, oh, there's one, oh, there's one. And so stuff like that. So again, you know, law of attraction, how do you become one? You find a program, you study the laws. I've done that on my own as well. I do a lot of reading of new thought materials. And for me, what I think is important is I not only got trained in it, I use it in my everyday life. And I think that's one of the important things when you're looking for a coach is you want somebody who's doing the things that you want to do. 
so that they're at least one to two steps ahead of you in the path that you want to follow. We've had the good fortune on this show to inter- interview one of the biggest proponents of the law of attraction, and that's Jack Canfield, um, who's out there all the time talking about it, written books about it, and, and there's been movies about it. And it's it's based in science, as you just said. So why is there still so much skepticism about the law of attraction? My personal opinion is that a lot of people cling to the happy part of the law of attraction, which is what you think upon is what happens in your life. However, and I know that Jack Canfield has talked about this too, is that there's a part of the key of making law of attraction work is actually taking action. And the illustration I like to to show is that, that there's this joke about this man who is in a flood and he's sitting on top of his house and he's asking God to save him from the flood. And a guy in a boat comes by and says, hey, I've got a boat, come and join me. And the guy goes, no, thank you, God's going to save me. <laughs> And then, then another guy in the boat comes by, you know, the water's rising, rising, and he's, like, getting higher on his roof. And another guy comes by in a bigger boat and says, hey, I've got a boat, come on, I'll save you. And he goes, oh, no, 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 God's going to save me. And then finally, he's, like, at the top of his, his chimney, and a helicopter comes by and goes, come on, boy, I'll save you. And the guy goes, no, no, God's going to save me. And unfortunately, the flood comes up, covers him, he drowns, and he gets to the pearly gates, and he's like, God, I trusted you. Why didn't you save me? And God says, I sent you two boats and a helicopter. (laughs) What else is left? Yeah, so basically, and and I think part of this happened when the, the, the book The Secret came out. I've read the book, and it's a great book, but it does downplay the important key of taking, you need to take inspired action. Yes, you need to believe in what you want as if it already exists, but then that triggers inspired actions that will help you move toward that goal. So it's both a belief and an action. When you're looking at the inspired action then, I remember, um, actually Jack is one of my mentors, which is kind of cool. Um, As Jack always says, your inspired actions are literally given to you, and he says, by the universe. And it was really fun because Todd and I asked him point blank, okay, what do you mean universe? What do you mean, uh, you know, we were kind of getting Jack to really get into his belief system. And it was really funny where Jack said, there is something out there that exists beyond us, whether you want to call it God, divinity, universe, or whatever it is, that there is something outside of you that exists. And it's interesting because if you look into psychology, you look at Carl Jung, who was one of the first to propose the collective unconscious. And so I guess when you're, you know, as Jack puts it, there's something there that is really there, that's the creator, so to speak, that we've, since we're all made within the image of the creator, we're all interconnected to the creator and the universe, that we all have these seeds and this energy to create and manifest within the world. And I I love your point, because this is where a lot of people get lost, where they read a book like The Secret, watch the movie, or some of the other stuff that's out there, you know, you know, what the bleep do they know, and that, like, these kind of shows, and then it's like, okay, I just got to sit here, feel good, and I'm going to attract all this stuff into my life, and they forget. Wouldn't that be awesome? Yeah, yeah, it would be. And that's, that's just the part that they're leaving out, is the fact that you've got to act, and the inspired part comes, is do your part, and this is the key thing, I know Jack talked about it, as well as a really good proponent of it, Mike Dooley, and Mike's talked about it, you do your part, and the universe will do their part, correct? Exactly. 
The only thing I would add to that is I personally don't believe that the uni- you know this universal force is necessarily only outside of you. Um, I've been reading a lot of Ernest Holmes lately, and he teaches that the spirit, the God universe, is you are one with it. We are. It is inside you. It is outside you. There is no separation. This world we live in where we're separated from each other is basically an illusion. So I guess, okay, absolutely, because we're all energy. And I think, you know, it's really interesting. Exactly. Karma. And, and you know, we've I've talked about this and I, I've taught about it. The fact that when people go, well, I don't believe this energy thing that you can't uh, project stuff out with your mind. I said, really? Well, have you ever seen an EEG monitor where it actually measures brain waves? So what are these brain waves? It's actually your thoughts. So thoughts are being translated into energy, which are showing up on a monitor. So for anybody who doesn't believe in any of that stuff, there is a science right there behind that. So I guess what that said, okay? So mm-hmm. as a life, as a law of attraction life skills coach, okay, how easy do you find new clients or anybody that you come across with, how easy do you find them buying into this stuff? Or do they say, are you kidding me? Like, this is hocus pocus mumbo jumbo. This is the genie in the bottle stuff. I think it really depends on the person. And the thing is, because I I do tend to be a little bit of woo-woo because I'm very intuitive and I use that in my business, I tend to attract people who are into that kind of thing. Now, that said, I have had clients that are a little bit skeptical, and then you just work with them on their level. Because it doesn't, frankly, I don't care how something works as long as it does. It's like, I don't need to know how my television works. I just need to know that when I push the on button, it turns on and entertains me. So ultimately, I don't care how these law of attraction and, and universal laws work, just as long as I follow what I'm supposed to do, it works. And skeptics can usually get their mind around that. And sometimes a technique will work for someone and sometimes it doesn't. And you just move on to a different technique because we're all individuals and we all experience the world and life differently. And therefore different techniques work with different people. It's interesting that you said that it's it's not just outside of your body and in the, the physical world, it's actually in your physical world, your physical being. Do I'm going to maybe push you out of your comfort zone here for a minute, but do you think that this law of attraction can also do things like um, have a person calm themselves down, reduce blood pressure, um, heal themselves? Is it, is it does it extend to that sort of work too? I think that can work. It really depends on someone's belief. I mean, if for example. And I'm, I'm not doing this because it's Christian or anything, but Jesus is a good example. He believed wholeheartedly in his power and therefore was able to walk across water, if you believe that that happened. Therefore, if we can get to a point of belief, we can do miracles as well. And I'm not a Bible reader, but I understand that that was part of Jesus' teaching, was that we are just like him. It's all about belief. That's why you can go to some of these, um, some of these people who are like, like in India. They've got the, the. Actually, I think that's Turkey where they have the swirling dervishes, and there's gurus in India who are able to do these amazing feats with their body. They're able to slow down their 
blood pressure, and, and it's all with the power of their mind. The mind has an amazing ability to do things to our body. And sometimes we're doing it consciously, like in those examples, more often we're doing it unconsciously. To, to interject, I guess, in karma, and you know, what you're discussing doesn't only fall within, I guess, the realms of law of attraction, so to speak, but it basically you can look at it as self-fulfilling prophecy, and you could take it one step further now it is widely acceptable and understood within medicine, for that matter, is the concept of psychosomatic or neuropsychoimmunology, which basically is your thoughts manifest your health in many ways. Exactly. So how many times has exactly. somebody said something like, oh my gosh, it's the end of February or March, it's cold season, I always get a cold this time of the year. And then lo and behold, bam, your wish is my command, you get the cold. Or, <laughs> yep. or somebody flips right out where, and this, this is a really common one, it's interesting, is with acne. Especially, somebody will keep saying, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I, I, I can't get acne because the prom's coming up or I'm getting pictures done and I don't want to have a zit on my nose or on my face. Next thing you know, it shows up on the 17-year-old girl's face overnight the day of the shoot or the day of the prom. And she's going, well, how the heck did this come about? Like, what the hell? Why is it happening to me? Well, it's been proven and shown. You're dwelling on it. You're willing on it. And basically, you're changing your body's chemistry. You're getting nervous. You're stressing. And let's be realistic. I believe... There was a stat that said 90% of all high blood pressure, which is non-essential uh, hypertension, has no biological cause, that it's created by the mind. Wow. Exactly. And that's where it kind of ties into the law of attraction, because another way of talking about the law of attraction is what you focus on expands. And that's as true of a zit as it is of seeing white cars. So I guess at this point here then, okay, Karma, would you say mm -hmm. then, that if, if when you're coaching and teaching people with law of attraction and getting into the whole life skills coaching thing, what do you tell somebody who then says, my whole life has been cruddy. I've been abused as a person, as a kid. I've had addiction problems. Um, it's the same old, same old. What kind of proof karma, if I'm going to make you my coach, can you deliver to me or show me that my life is going to change from here on in? Well, at that point, I usually share my story because life hasn't been all kittens and puppies for me either. Yeah. And balloons and clowns. Too bad. Yeah. I like kittens and puppies. Yeah. Sugar and spice and everything nice. Yes. So I, I often will share my story and say, you know, life isn't always... I mean, one of the phrases I like to say is that it's not always fun, but it's always good. And one of my mentors talks about how things don't happen to you, they happen for you. So everything that happens in your life is part of your journey of growth. And I look at all the things that I went through, the things that were really awful and unpleasant and, boy, it would have been a lot funner if I hadn't gone through them. But again, if I had not gone through them, I would not be the person I am today and I would not be able to relate to the clients I have and I would not be able to help them because I had not been in their shoes. Well, that's an interesting point because I find there's a lot of life coaches who do who who lack the experience in the subject matter that they're trying to coach their clients in. So we've got about three minutes left, and I want to ask you this before we go to our first break. What's the other type of coaching that you did? Was it along the lines of money? Sacred money archetype. Mm, sounds intriguing. Can you tell us a little bit about it? It is a kind of like a money personality system, 
that was developed by Kendall Summerhawk. And there are these eight money archetypes, and there's an assessment I put my clients through, and it, you come up with your three dominant ones, and that's basically how you relate to money throughout your life. And then, now that you understand that, now you can use the pros of your archetypes to improve your life, and you can use your different archetypes to help alleviate the, the uh, challenges of your archetype. It's just, it's another personality test, basically, but it looks at your life through the lens of money because as many, as Kendall says, the way you are with money is the way you are with everything. T. Harvecker says something very similar is the way you are with one thing is the way you are with everything, and it's so true. So let me ask you this then, Karma. When somebody throws out, uh, and we'll, if you can answer this right before we go to break, money is the root of all evil. What do you come back with that? Because a lot of people think having money is bad, and I really do believe prosperity is a mindset. And so for some people, if they view it bad, that's probably why they never have it. Oh, exactly. And the thing is, a lot of people must misunderstand it because I believe the actual Bible quote is the love of money is the root of all evil. And what it was talking about is that idolizing money as if it were a god is bad. Mm. But it never said anything about, you know, wanting to be poor. In fact, God wants God, or universe, or whatever, great spirit, wants you to live a prosperous, happy life, because that's the only way you can fulfill your purpose. Yeah, and just to go one step further with that, I don't think a God of abundance would want people to live in squalor, because those that are going out there and preaching, hey, I follow God, I follow a God of abundance, and then they're literally, you know, living a life on purpose of squalor, it's not a really good reflection on something that is based on abundance. And with that said, we're going to go to our break. And then when we come back, we're going to talk more with Karma Spence on life skills coaching, law of attraction, and how you can be a better you by taking a couple steps in coaching yourself, maybe, because it all starts with you. And we have so many more questions for Karma. Uh, you're listening to Matters of the Mind on Listen Up Talk Radio. We are on your internet radio at talk-radio.ca. Buying or selling a home, condo, or investment property may be one of the largest transactions you'll ever make. It's important to gather as much information as you can, and preferably from experienced, successful professionals. When it comes time to make your move, call the Mulholland Ross Real Estate Team with Keller Williams Real Estate Service at 416-230-8500 or visit www.realestatetoronto.com. Whether you're making your first move or selling your much-loved family home, the Mulholland Ross Team offers over 26 years of real estate sales and service across the GTA. Listen every Sunday at 4 p.m. here on Radio That Doesn't Suck to hear the team share advice and information that will assist you with your personal wealth through real estate. Questions or topics you'd like to see covered? Email info at realestatetoronto.com or call the Mulholland Ross team at 416-230-8500. Welcome to my new book, Niagara's Most Haunted Legends and Myths, which is not just a book about ghosts and haunted places, rather about history in the Niagara region. This book explores and uncovers parts of the Niagara region which are considered some of the richest in North American history and the most haunted. As a matter of fact, one of the bloodiest battles in North American history, the War of 1812, between the British and the Americans was fought here. And this year, the bicentennial year anniversary of the War of 1812 is covered in this book. 
This book explores most of the haunted places, legends that have existed from the 1800s right now to 2012. Each chapter covers a different type of landmark which not only educates readers on historical significances, but also entertains with anecdotal ghost stories and paranormal investigations. Join me in this book as we visit beds and breakfasts, ships and boats, trains, tunnels, museums, mansions, highways, forts, cemeteries, waterfalls, and many more, and see if the Niagara region is really haunted. Niagara's Most Haunted Legends and Myths is now available at Indigo Chapters and online on Amazon.com and BarnesandNoble.com. And visit our website, www.niagara'smosthaunted.com. Be afraid. Be very afraid. Welcome back to Mental Health Matters with Dr. Peter Sacco on radio that doesn't suck.com and rtds.ca. Well, hello there and welcome back to Matters of the Mind, where everything and anything possible on your mind matters to us. So before we went to break, we were talking with Karma Spence, who is a life skills coach, specializes in the law of attraction and for folks those that have heard it before it's a great thing you know it you're working at your life for those that really do get it and for those that don't get it or don't understand it then probably listen up a little closely because we got a lot more to talk with karma about in terms of thoughts become things the things that you dwell on the most in your life that is your mind will eventually project themselves into the world manifest in the world you live in so karma before we went to break we were talking about money and one of the things that yeah. you do that is really interesting you work with a lot of successful women entrepreneurs what exactly is this organization that you're involved with well, those are actually, it's not an organization. Those are the clients that I work with the most because what I've specialized in is helping savvy, intelligent, successful women entrepreneurs take themselves to the next level, whatever that level is. If they're a startup, we take them to what they're, they want their income. If their income is, is it five figures, we can take them to six, six to seven, whatever that is because usually when someone comes against a glass wall, and then what I and this is how I talk about it, is that they've got a vision for where they want to be, and this is amazing vision. They can clearly they know exactly what they want, but every time they try to get toward it, they keep bumping into this glass wall, and they can't seem to reach it. That glass wall is something of their own making. It's in their mindset, and so what I'm able to do is help shift their perspective, so that they can break through that glass wall and give them techniques that they can use moving forward if they ever bump into yet another glass wall and shatter them again. Interesting that you use the term glass wall because I think we're all familiar with the term glass ceiling and, and are the two related? I mean, there's a, I think we're, we're, we're getting to the point where there are a lot more females getting into positions of power in corporations in, in Canada. I can't really speak for the U.S. I, I think there are some, but... Uh, how does that translate? Does that translate into breaking through the glass ceiling as well? Well, it's actually interesting because in more generic terms, the glass ceiling is usually something that's imposed by the outside world. Right. So the glass ceiling, when people talk about that, they're talking about, you know, men get paid more than women. And the women often feel like that's something that comes in from the outside. What's interesting, and, and I find this 
appalling, but it's interesting, too, is that now that women are getting out of corporate America or corporate Canada and they're moving into the entrepreneurial world, they're building their own glass ceiling. Mm. They're still limiting their income. And a lot of that has to do with the way, at least in Western cultures, the way we're women are enculturated to believe that we are supposed to be X, Y, and Z, and men are A, B, C. And the two are incompatible, and that's not necessarily true. Men and women are different, yes, but we both have our unique strengths that make us completely able to make, I mean, in theory, unlimited income. But women are still devaluing themselves, not asking for what they're worth. And we all, I have my moments. (laughs) So let me then ask you this then, Karma. Could it possibly be that women are creating this glass ceiling for themselves because it's based on generational beliefs that the guy is traditionally the higher earner, the breadwinner, so that if this woman then comes along and makes Donald Trump trillions, that basically she becomes an intimidating threat to any guy because she's too powerful, too successful, too wealthy. And for that reason, could it possibly be at an unconscious level why these women have reached this glass ceiling? Because they worry that they're going to be ostracized by men and not want to be accepted as potential date or lovers. I think that's definitely part of it. I also think that part of it is that women don't believe that you can achieve what men have achieved without becoming like a man Mm. and so sometimes they you know like some women just they're just too feminine they can't they can't turn on the the yang part of their selves when they're in business and that's what limits their income some women go so far onto the yang that they lose their yin and then they those are the women that often are having trouble with men in their life because you can't have two alphas in a relationship it just doesn't work very well. And it, it, it is is—it is a lot has to do with our own, we are creating our own glass ceiling when it's out in the entrepreneurial world. And because it, we're doing it in the entrepreneurial world, I think we also play a role in the corporate world because women don't ask for what they deserve. They just take what they're given. And men don't do that. Here's an interesting study that was found is, Two people apply for the same job. One's a man, one's a woman. The job has 10 different qualities that it's looking for. The man will look at that list of 10, realize that he only has three of them, and say, oh, right, yes, I have everything they need. (laughs) The woman will look at that list of 10, realize that she has all 10, or, or realize she has only like eight or nine, and think she's not good enough. Wow. And that has to do with the way we've been raised and enculturated. And I think it also just has to do with the, the way that men and women have evolved to play the different roles biologically. Women tend to be, not all women, but women in general tend to be nurturers. So we tend to take care of other people before we take care of ourselves. And that's why, oh, I only have eight of, and I know, and I know I've done this. I've looked, I'm like, oh, I'm missing that one quality. I better not apply for that job. And you know there's someone else who only has half the skills I do who applies for it and probably gets it. <laughs> so I guess there's, there's pressure from 
the the old boys network when a woman gets to their level whether it's a partner in a law firm or a vice president of of a corporation to fit in to to be to uh let's say testosterone up uh be more manly in certain ways i mean there's there's a i know this because i have friends that have made that way up and there's you know you have to belong you have to feel like you're part of the the, the pack or the network is that true in your experience you know, I've never, my personal experience, I haven't experienced that, but that's because I'm just not a very good political player. I just, I don't, I don't play the political game, and that may be partly because I have ADD and social cues are just kind of like outside my skill set. Right. <laughs> but I know people who have experienced that. Well, that, that's kind of what I was leading to. So, so without breaching any privacy, what types of entrepreneurs are you working with uh, in different industries or artists? Typically, uh, you know, give us a broad range of some of the clients that you've worked with. Most of the clients I've worked with are in sort of in one or more of what I call sort of like the perfect trifecta for an entrepreneur, and that's author, speaker, coach. I think when you have all three of those, you have a very strong basis for a business that be built on upon your core passions and skills and so most of the people most of the women I work with and, and if I have worked with a few men too fall into one of those things they either coach people in some specific idea they have a book that they use to deliver whatever they have or they are a speaker or there's some combination thereof so I guess then okay let's say karma you have somebody that comes from I'm not going to say great self-confidence, but not the best self-confidence. Let's just say baseline. They come to you today and say, I need a life skills coach, um, a woman, let's say, and I want to see change within my life. And, you know, generally you'll see change if you keep at it for 21 to 28 days. And she says, I'm going to give you 90 days to coach me and make me a better person. And you know what? I guess that would be a feasible and honest request to somebody if they were going to hire you for that service. So how would you approach that with that type of lady? What would you say, okay, here's what you can expect and here's what you're going to have to do to make this change in your life? Well, first of all, they're not going to get any results unless they put in the work. So they need to make a commitment to themselves to actually do the work. And if they don't do the work, they're not going to get the results. So that that's one of the things that's always a baseline with me and my clients. They need to understand, all I can guarantee is that I will take you through the process that can change your life. They're still holding the reins of their life. I can't drive the car for them. Second of all, actually 90 days is perfect because that's the minimum commitment I ask for because less than that, there's, we're not able to really set behaviors into place. And then at that point, then I find out exactly what her goals are. I mean, because there's so many different ways someone can get, I mean, there's improving your life in general. We need to set goals. So one of the first things I do is find out, okay, what are your specific goals? Then we figure out what's achievable within three months, and we set up a plan to get that person there. And then we tweak that plan as we go along because things happen. You know, it's like you may think you can do something in three months, and then something unexpected comes in month two that kind of changes plans. 
So it's always flexible. No, I don't work the same way with any two clients. Everything's tailored to the client because I have been through coaching programs where the coach insisted I follow a specific routine and just kind of crammed me into that routine and it just, it does not work. At least it doesn't work for me. I, I needed to have more flexibility and so I find that most of my clients need that flexibility too. Does that answer your question? Absolutely. How do you, how do you help your clients measure success? Um, not the not the big milestones necessarily, but little milestones, so that every day they're seeing some progress and they're they're feeling, oh, we're we're making progress in the right direction. There are two ways to do that. One is you set up what those milestones are along the way, because when when you have a goal, there's some obvious milestones. But also part of my part of every session is we start off with what are your celebrations since the last time we talked. Mm. And what's interesting is that sometimes a person, a client, will scratch their head and not know, and then like halfway through the session, they'll say, oh, yeah, by the way, this thing happened. So there's always a celebration, and part of my job as a coach is to help people see the brilliance that's already there in their life, help them recognize it, because the more you recognize what there is to appreciate in your life, the more you're going to recognize what you have to appreciate in your life. Isn't that the abundance that when you, when you feel that you're full of gratitude and full of, of wealth, whether that's you know, physical wealth or whether it's emotional wealth, you get more of what you feel. Exactly. That's one of the, in fact, that's one of the key, going back to law of attraction, one of the keys of law of attraction is to actually feel as if what you want already exists. And feeling is one of the things that really activates it. You can think about it, and that's nice, but until you can feel it, like literally feel it in your body, in your gut, what, wherever you feel it, that's what really just gives it its mojo. So if you had somebody, Karma, that says, okay, I love what you're saying. I really, really, really want to embrace this whole notion of law of attraction, manifesting things into my life, but I just keep getting stuck. I keep just feeling like I'm trying to run as fast as I can, but my feet are in, you know, stuck in some sort of mud. What would be the first thing that you would suggest to them that they can create this change within their lives, but it's going to have to start with a change with their mindset? What coaching um, advice would you give to that type of person? Well, the, the best thing is to get someone outside of themselves to help them notice and also keep them on track. So that's when they need, they probably... At the cheapest one is to get a friend to do it, not as effective as someone who knows what they're doing. So I would recommend they hire a coach or a mentor. Barring that, they need to start journaling every day a gratitude journal. Mm. Write five things down every day, and sometimes it'll be the same thing. And sometimes there will be days where you, you're struggling to come up with the five, but if, if you stick to it, and I do this religiously myself, Every morning, I come up with five things I was grateful for from the previous day. Sometimes I have nine or ten because I had an awesome kick-ass day, and some days I'm like, well, I had a really good sandwich for lunch. Um, <laughs> it's like every day, I mean, how spectacular. If you had spectacular days, day after day after day, I think you'd get tired. <laughs> yeah. It's funny, it's something that we've started here with, with our children at night at the dinner table where we talk about the best thing that happened to us and the worst thing that happened. So you're acknowledging that you had some great things happen, but you also maybe had some things that weren't so great. But I guess 
the intent is to sort of get them out and and maybe even discuss them as a family, you know, how could you have handled it or just let the person vent. Maybe there's no solution, just let them vent. Yeah. You know, interesting you say that because I know a lot of people who follow the law of attraction and universal laws get really entrenched into only looking at the world positively. But, you know, sometimes you just need to curl up in a ball and have a good cry. Yeah. Because sometimes life doesn't feel too good, and if you deny it, it's just going to keep coming back. So you need to acknowledge, you need to acknowledge that bad things happen, but then you need to flick them off and don't let them set. There's, I can't remember the name of the person, of the person who wrote this article. My mentor sent it to me. I have it somewhere on my computer. But basically, he talks about these negative thoughts and these negative things as embers. So if you're sitting by a fire and an ember lands on your sweater, you flick it off, no harm done. But if you let the ember sit there, it burns a hole in your sweater. Well, these negative thoughts are the same thing. If you acknowledge their presence and flick them off, they do no harm. But if you sit there and you... And you dwell on the negative and you like pull it together and you, and you analyze it and you extrapolate it, well, then you're just feeding it and it burns a hole in your sweater. So acknowledging the bad things is a good idea, but don't dwell on them. Absolutely. And I think, you know, research has shown that um, positive thoughts, this is really interesting, folks, positive thoughts are actually infinitely more powerful than negative thoughts, but ironically, negative memories that people have tend to take up more space within their minds and perhaps that's because they focus on them too much. So with that said, Karma, question for you, for anybody listening today that wants to hook up with your services, learn more about you, what is the best way uh, to go about getting to know you or getting to know about your services and what you can offer them, which is life skills coaching? Perfect. Well, the, the first best way to get to know me and um, is to have a conversation with me. So if you go to karmaspence.com forward slash free session, it tells you all about what I call a curious conversation with karma. You, just, you get on my calendar and we talk about where you are now, where you want to be, and how you might bridge that gap, which may or may not include working with me. But what you will leave that session with is at least, if nothing else, you will leave revitalized. But more, most of the people who go through that session with me leave with at least one golden nugget that moves them forward. If you're not really ready to have a conversation with me, then sign up for my free report called Money Loves Attention. That's at karmaspence.com forward slash money loves attention. And it talks a lot about some of the things we talked about today, but specifically with money, there are like three actions you can take today that can improve your relationship with money. And I guess it all starts out then, Karma. Uh, the great thing that you're giving anybody that wants to use your services and use your coaching methods is you do two things. You give people a sense of hope, and then the key things that you're teaching them is to have faith. Not only faith in that things are going to turn out good, but faith in your ability to manifest the change that you want in your life. So, Karma, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure to have you on our show. Thank you for having me. And I've saved the most important question to last do you coach men who are also in touch with their feminine side? Yes, I will coach men. I just market toward women because that's my target market. But the beautiful thing about target marketing is that whoever you were meant to work with will find you. Awesome. Well, guess what, Karma? You're going to get a secret phone call from Todd right now once we go to break. <laughs> I'm going to okay. the website. I'm going to the website the minute this is done. You're listening to Matters of the Mind. There's more show right around the corner. We'll be right back. You can talk. 
back to Matters of the Mind, where everything on your mind matters to us. And as always, we had a great guest today. Uh, hope you tune in next week. But before we let you go, food for thought, pun intended, they say you are everything that you eat. Well, I guess the truth can be said about your thought process. After listening to Karma, after listening to the great minds like Jack Canfield or anybody who engages in the law of attraction and really does practice it in their life, you basically are what you think. You know, there's a direct parallel. I was just thinking about that as you were saying it. You put healthy food in your body, you have a healthy body or healthier. You put healthy thoughts in your mind and you have healthy thoughts. You you feel better. Your self-esteem is better. It's, it's a direct uh, correlation. Absolutely. And the bottom line is, and it really is, there is, you know, if you want to look at it, quantum physics now is now proving that really thoughts are energy and energy produces things. And energy, you know, if you study Albert Einstein, Einstein was the proponent and the founder of the guy or the, the theory that says, you know, matter can neither be created nor destroyed. That energy is basically constant equals MC squared. So with that said, your thoughts are energy. They're not being destroyed. They're being projected outwards. So manage your thoughts, manage your mind. And you may have some really, really good things show up in your life because Thoughts become things, and make sure you want good things to show up in your life. Keep them clean. So uh, find Dr. Sacco on uh, on the web at petersacco.com, on Facebook at Dr. Peter Andrew Sacco, and on Twitter as well. Look him up there. You will find us here on talk-radio.ca every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Catch you next week. You've been listening to Matters of the Mind on Listen Up Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Peter Andrew Sacco. Reach him on his website, petersacco.com, or you can reach him through Listen Up at talk-radio.ca. We really thank you for listening. Reach out to us on Facebook, facebook.com slash listenuptalkradio, on Twitter at at listenuptalk. We'll catch you next week. You don't need no pills. That man is not your man. And that's why I'm...